Hello and welcome to Show and Tell, the podcast series from the RPG Academy, where we bring on a guest and talk about some new cool thing, whether it be an idea, a product, a project, a Kickstarter, or something else that we think is cool and we want to tell you all about it. For this week's episode, we brought on Adam Coble, who is the co-creator of the Dungeon World RPG and the newly anointed DM of the people, the people in this case being Roll20. So if you hadn't heard, Adam was um, hired by Roll20 to be their official DM and uh, content creator. So not exactly sure what that means. I wasn't either. So we brought Adam on to talk about it. So sit back and listen as I awkwardly ask Adam some questions about what it means to be the uh, DM Parole 20 and learn about the cool new things that he is working on. As always, thanks for listening. And here is Show and Tell episode number six, Adam Coble, DM of the People. So uh, for those of you who are unaware, Adam is the co-creator of Dungeon World and more recently uh, was hired as the official GM for Roll20. So Adam, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. So for those of you who don't know you, I imagine there's probably more people that know you than know me, even on my own podcast. Uh, If you don't mind, (laughs) I, I gave you a quick introduction, but tell us a little bit more about yourself, sir. Yeah, so like like you said, I think that the the first time kind of anybody really noticed me was uh, thanks to a little game called Dungeon World, uh, which I co-created with uh, Sage Latora. We uh, we did our Kickstarter back in 2012 now, which seems like a lot shorter time than it actually is. <laughs> Dungeon World's been around for a little while. Um, so yeah, I, I did Dungeon World, and then um, the uh, the cast of uh, a show called uh, Roleplay R and D uh, picked it up for uh, one of their series, and, and uh, I met the GM uh, Stephen Lumpkin at his uh, PAX East a couple years or two years ago, okay. and um, yeah, he he and I talked a little bit. Uh, turns out that JP, the producer of the show, was looking for additional GM, so I got on board with them. Uh, started with uh, our sci-fi show uh, Swan Song, which is uh, using Stars Without Number. And then most recently we launched uh, Mirror Shades, which is a cyberpunk show using Shadowrun. And so all that stuff kind of accumulated in building this, like, online presence that I guess Roll20 took notice of. And when I saw them post their uh, yeah, their job posting, I had actually just quit my day job uh, and started doing streaming full-time. So Congratulations. It, yeah, thank you. It was, a, it was a confluence for me of, of nerd stuff. So I was like, yeah, I got to apply um, and I've, you know, I've, I've worked with Stephanie with Nolan on the Roll20 team before, uh, you know, through misclicks, or I was on a panel with Nolan. So, you know, we were we were familiar uh, kind of with each other, and they'd seen my work. So, yeah, we've uh, we got some big plans, and I'm I'm super excited. But that's that's going to be the the kind of main place you're going to be able to find me in the next little while. It's going to be over at the the Twitch channel there for Roll20. Okay, very very cool. Thank you for doing that. Now you yeah. kind of already touched on my first question, but. Um, I'll, I'll kind of restate it just in case there's something we missed. So what was it about the opportunity at Roll20 that really interest, interested you? Like, There were a lot of people that applied, obviously, and congratulations for getting it. But why did you particularly want to do this? So for me, I think that, like, on the on the one obvious hand, it's like, yeah, cool, get paid to be a GM. And, you know, every, every nerd worth half a damn has thought before, like, wow, that'd be great if I could just, like, get paid money to GM. And then on the other hand, a lot of GMs, I'm sure, are like, man, this feels like work. It'd be nice if I was getting paid. <laughs> but um, 
you know, on on top of that, like I like I was saying, I've worked with with Roll Twenty uh, with those folks before in various degrees, and I know that they've got a really similar outlook to role playing games uh, for me. Like the the philosophy of Roll Twenty is really to kind of expose more people to easier access role playing games, right? Because you know you you play with your your friends at home, and maybe somebody has a kid, and maybe somebody goes off to college, and you can't play with those folks anymore. And then what do you do, right? If you live in a small town, there there goes your role playing. Um, so with Roll20, people are able to, to connect with people who've moved away, with brand new players, to build these groups and to play online. And I think that we're, we're in this technological space now where role-playing can kind of take that next step. And so, like, for me, a big part of why I do this stuff with, uh, with role-play and, and why I'm on Swan Song and Mirror Shades is there's a whole crew of people who are ready to learn about role-playing games, right? They're, like, eSports fans. They're, they're League of Legends or StarCraft players. Uh, you know, they, they might have seen The Hobbit. They might have read a, a George R. R. Martin novel once or twice. They've heard everybody's heard of Dungeons and Dragons. But for me, the opportunity is just as much about like playing the game as it is showing the audience like, hey, role playing games are this really amazing collaborative storytelling experience. And now, because of where we're at, technologically speaking, because webcams are like a given, and Roll Twenty and it's it's so easy to access and it's free. Like anybody can play a role playing game which for me is really cool. The next step is just saying, here's how, right? Not just you can, but like I want you to do it and I'm going to show you how, right? We want to create replicable experiences. I want to say everything that I'm doing for Roll20, you can do with your friends and you know, build an audience and play these games and have a good time. Yeah, we had, uh, we've had the fortune of had no, having Nolan on the show a couple times before. And one of the things that he struck, uh, he said that struck me was we're at a point now where you can come home from work and maybe you end up with three or four hours that you didn't expect to have, and now you can role play. Yeah. Where, you know, I grew up where it was like, okay, you had to schedule it. And even now, I, you know, on my side of the story, I've been trying to schedule a session zero for a new game I want to start for a month and a half. And every week something has happened where one player couldn't make it, and we've had to reschedule and reschedule. But online, you can just jump on and say, hey, I'm running a game right now within a few minutes have a table and be going. And, you know, I, I know I sound like the old man here, get off my lawn, but I just think that people today, young people today, don't understand, like, the frustrations that have gone into this hobby for so long. Yeah, it's and it's true, you know, and I, I think that as someone who's been playing role-playing games basically my entire conscious life, right, like I started playing D&D when I was 10, I feel like if we can, if we can create a generation of role-playing gamers who don't, have to deal with that stuff, I, I'm going to feel pretty good about that. You know, it's going to make it more accessible. The only way that, that role-playing games from a sort of populist standpoint are going to stand up against CRPGs and, and MOBAs and, and online games is by being more accessible, right? And, like, that's my goal is to say, yeah, okay, with a little bit of effort, you can get this, like, amazing storytelling experience online with your friends or with people you don't know, and it's not that hard, right? It's just as easy as booting up a game of World of Warcraft. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, my next big question is, so w- what do you do? Like, wh- what, is, what is your job responsibilities and duties as the official DM of Roll20? So my, my job is, um, in, in part, I think, uh, sort of brand 
face, right? Like I'm I'm there to be the sort of expert on the systems, be the expert on Rule Twenty, and in such a way that not it's not just engaging with folks uh, one directionally, right? So I'm going to be you know on Twitter asking uh, you know people to engage with me, answering questions. Uh, I'm going to be on the forums, be doing blog posts. So there's there's outreach there to the existing people who are using Rule Twenty and to new users, and then the the other half is the um, all the content stuff is building those shows where people can come and they can watch the show and then get involved in what we're doing. They can see what, uh, what we're making. Um, so there's going to be two main campaigns we're going to be running, at least at first. And then I'll probably have a, a separate show where I'll do GM-focused stuff, so like prep, uh, talk about the macros that I'm building, talk about how to use Rule20 in special ways, and that'll be the, um, the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. Okay, so to make sure I understand, so you're going to have two campaigns, so that'd be two like actual play top shows, yep. and then you're looking at doing like a third one-off, maybe DM tips and tricks type of show? Yeah, and we, we haven't got a, a, a schedule on how often we want to do that one because prep is variable, right? Um, sure. But yeah, that, that'll be the, the sort of workshop or tutorial show where we'll have uh, a little more like a guest interaction, and it'll be just sort of about how to like learn how to use the tool and focus on various pieces of it. Okay, and then how quickly can we expect to start seeing some of this coming out? Well, we're doing scheduling now for uh, for at least one of the shows. Um, I'm getting my players together. We're talking about what game we want to play. Um, I anticipate you know this month certainly uh, within within uh, April, and uh, after that, it's just a question of uh, getting people together and and putting on the shows. You know, we're doing all the all the front loading, the heavy lifting now, uh, and then once we've got the cast together, it'll it'll be on the regular. Okay. Now, um, so any insight to what systems you're thinking about using or you're leaning toward? I got, I've got so many. I'm such a game nerd. Like, I, it's, it's not even a question of like picking a system. It's picking a dozen systems and then choosing which ones we want to focus on. Uh, what'll end up probably happening is, is we'll have one ongoing show with uh, the same system for, for quite a while, something that we can really like sink our teeth into over time. And then the other show will likely be a, more like a highlights type show where we'll do four to eight episodes of any given game with a slightly more rotating cast. So that way I can show off some of the smaller press stuff um, games folks might not have heard of. Okay, very cool. So is there anything about Roll20 that like it, now that you're in the inner sanctum uh, that you would like to see it sort of change and evolve to to make it more accessible? I mean, obviously it's doing fantastic and we're all envious of their success, but what can they do better or what do you think would help them be more accessible in the future? So I think that Roll20 is doing a lot of work to um, to both broaden the stuff that, that they're doing, like make the tool more applicable to more games. You know, so that, that obviously is big for me, that any any game that I could think of, I'd like it to be supported in Roll20. I know that they're doing a ton of work on that. Um, the system's flexible enough that a lot of the time the GM can can kind of help move it towards that. And just in terms of uh, feature set, you know, adding more games and getting more, like, in-depth with allowing people to tinker with the games that they're already supporting. You know, I want to see... And ultimately, this is the way that any technology goes, right, is that it's it's built by the people who knew how to build it, and it's turned over to an audience, and the, the first thing that people want to do once they start getting to be experts in it is kind of hack that system. So, you know, I, I'm going to... I'm, I'm hoping that, that Roll20 is going to move in that direction as well, sort of ostensibly have more access to the API for folks and be able to build the system in a way that experts, which hopefully I can help build as the, the GM, and we'll be able to kind of do more custom stuff with it. So I want to move into a couple of the questions that we got off of Twitter. Um, are you going to stay with your regular Twitter account, or are you going to have a Roll20 specific one? Yeah, I'm going to be doing all my all my tweeting through my regular account. Okay, and for those of you who don't know, what what is your Twitter account handle? Uh, it's at SkinnyGhost. 
So if anyone is not already following you, then they should probably go there and start. Yeah, that's my that's my main way of communicating with folks for sure. That's me too. I don't. It's just it's it's so convenient <laughs> to be able to get tweets and it catalogs them all kinds of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions that came in, this was from uh, actually one of my players uh, in my game, Scott. Um, do you have any advice yet? And I know you're still you just started. <laughs> To get the most out of a mix where you have some people that are remoting through Roll20 and then more, maybe more than one at, at a table. So you've got a mix of local and remote gaming. Have you dealt with that before? Any, con- any ideas or concepts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, I mean, we were talking about places that, that Roll20 can kind of uh, expand into, and I think that mixed group is, uh, is a thing. You know, it used to be that, um, you know, if you wanted to do anything on a computer, you need the, the desktop, and, you know, maybe a few people had laptops, but that's becoming less and less true now. Um, and so you can fairly easily run a game where it's, you know, four people at the table and one laptop at the end. Uh, and I think that Roll20 uh, does allow you to create that interface that everyone can access all at once. Um, you know, we, we just released the um, Android and uh, iPad app version of it, too, so that, that expands that out. Um, the trick is going to be more, I think, about the social behaviors at the table because in my experience gamers tend to be pretty verbal people and there's a lot of talking over each other and it can be easy to forget the people that aren't there in person. So it's less about like how are we going to make all the dice rolls work and like how can we all look at the map and more about tailoring your group's expectation of like how do we play this game as a group of human beings not talking over each other and making sure that everybody gets their amount of, of spotlight time. And I think part of that is on the role of the of the GM as kind of arbiter of the momentum of the game, you know, that you're playing, and the rest of it's just on the players to, to like, basically just behave yourself and try to, like, get your headspace right around playing it that way, because it can be a little jarring. You know, I've, I've run games that have the remote player by laptop, and, you know, it works, but it does take practice. I think, too, that picking the right game really helps. Um, you know, if it's your first game with a mixed group, don't play a game that's, like, really mechanically complicated, or don't play a game that the person who's remote doesn't know, but everyone else does. <laughs> Um, you know, because I think ultimately that what game you're playing is the most important choice that you can make as a game group. And picking the right game for your group means not just picking the game everybody knows, but picking the right game for the kind of group that you have. And taking remote players into account uh, is, is important for that, I think. Uh, you know, and just in my experience in, in what we're doing right now, we're recording an interview over the Internet. And, you know, let me tell you, I've been doing this for a while now, but those first few you you have to learn to build in like an extra two second pause before and after everything that you say to kind of give that other person a chance to respond because the same thing you talk over each other. So I think just just like anything else, if you do it a few times, it will get better. That first yeah. experience may not be the best, but don't let that cloud your judgment that you can't do it or that it doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. It it works now better than it ever has, and it's going to work better in a year or two years than it ever has before that. So. Uh, so we kind of already touched on the fact that you're going to be doing a couple ongoing campaigns uh, and then off doing some um, sort of one-off things as well to showcase some systems. So I think we kind of already touched on that. Um, do you have any advice on trying to, you know, there's, there's an intimacy about playing around the table, someone's house, kitchen, dorm room, basement, that you don't always get with uh, Roll20 or any, you know, internet game. Do you have any thoughts or advice on how to do that and how to make it a little bit more intimate and sort of simulate that you're all actually together? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's weird because we're seeing both spaces start to intersect, right? The the online game is becoming less and less the aberration and the in-person game is becoming more and more populated by technology, right? Like, I find that my games online tend to be better focused 
Um, people are paying more attention because the distraction is occupied by being the medium that you're playing through, right? Whereas if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons on a table, someone's going to take out their phone, they're going to get distracted. But I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Minimizing distraction. And if you're playing online, like just you know, go ahead and full screen, forget about that your keyboard has an alt tab on it, and just just focus on what you're doing. And I I think that that intimacy comes from not just being in person with someone, but communicating and building the story uh, together, whatever game you're playing. And that'll come, right? And it's just a question of getting over that initial hurdle that we have sort of pre-decided that the internet is somehow like less uh, personal a form of communication, which I don't think is, is necessarily true. And you know, to go back to our point earlier about the sort of younger generation of gamers, I think that that idea that playing in person is somehow better or a more um, uh, intimate experience is going away, uh, and I think that people aren't people aren't going to necessarily have that bias once uh, that that sort of new batch of gamers really takes over. Oh yeah, I would agree with that uh, as well. Really, that's I mean I think we've kind of already touched on all the the questions. Um, one Twitter asked person asked uh, who's your favorite GM, and I think they were doing it sort of to be funny, but I think that's a legitimate question: is who do you admire or who do you try to emulate? your DM style from? Is it, you know, is there, are there any other personalities that are streaming or podcasting that you think that person's really good and I want to steal things from them? Yeah, I mean, I think like that, watching other people GM and talking to them about the ways that they, they GM, I think that stuff's really important uh, to build your skill as a, as a game master. I mean, it's true of, of any creative endeavor, right? You want to participate in a medium created by other people, not just make your own stuff and leave it out there. Um, so, you know, for me, I try to kind of expose myself to as much of that as I can. I got, I'm on panels with other GMs at conventions a lot. Um, you know, I watch uh, other streaming GMs. Uh, I don't know that I have necessarily a favorite because everybody, it's like, it's a bit like, uh, you know, music or, or uh, painting or sculpting. Everybody does, we're all doing the same thing, but everybody does it in their own way. You know, one of my roleplay co-GMs, uh, Steven, has a really... Um, really great knack for making NPCs, like his NPCs are fantastic, really engaging, very interesting characters. You know, everybody knows, like, Chris Perkins at uh, Wizards, you know, he's, he's got a, a very big GM presence, his showmanship is quite good. So I think that, you know, and this is part of kind of what I hope to do as the, the Roll20 GM is, like, put forward these, like, ideas of, like, what a good GM is. And I'm going to be incorporating advice and um, style from as many other GMs as I can, both indirectly just by watching them and being influenced, and directly by sitting down with them and asking questions. And I think, again, like even for someone who's a seasoned GM who spends a lot of time running games, I think that's always something you can improve. You can always look at the way somebody else is doing something well and take something from that. So I'm really looking forward to starting to see some of the content that you produce. I run a few games online myself. We're using Roll20, but I don't use a tenth of what, of what it can do for me. We basically just use it as a way to bring everybody together. And part of that's just not having time, effort, or energy to, to research and see what I can do as simple as making macros or using even the jukebox feature. So having something out there that's really directed towards me, I'm very forward to looking, uh, looking forward to, to doing that. Um, so where can people go to get more information or to look for like updates? Uh, you know, is it, is it your Twitter? Is it a Facebook page? Is it a website? So the best place for uh, people to follow what I'm doing specifically is, like we mentioned before, follow me on Twitter, uh, Skinny Ghosts. Um, also, Roll20 app on Twitter is where uh, where those guys post most of their information. So if you're looking for 
uh, schedule stuff. Um, there's going to be a lot of cross-pollination between Roll20's Twitter and mine on this uh, this regard. Um, the Roll20 blog, we'll be doing guest posts there. Uh, and then all of our live content is going to be done through Twitch TV, so twitch.tv, and the uh, account there is Roll20 app. Um, so if you pop over to Twitch and uh, give them a follow, uh, you'll get a notification whenever we go live, and we'll be talking about the show and other places that people can uh, can engage with our content uh, through Twitter primarily. All right, very cool. I'll, I'll try to make sure I get all those links. I'll throw them in the show notes. Um, a while back, I had another guest on, and we were talking about, and this was more of a joke, about trying to get um, a role-playing games more mainstream, which they're already becoming more mainstream anyways. But we were talking about the, the TV show Friends, but it's basically like a D&D campaign. So, you know, you have the half-orc bard sitting at the central coffee shop with the paladin and the fighter. And we were just, you know, joking, and we were going to call it murder hobos, uh, a bunch of other things. But I kind of think that's still an old man notion that, you know, TV may be antiquated. Twitch and stream is probably really the, the primary avenue for that. And, you know, you've already got a dedicated following on stream, stream and Twitch. So I just think you're probably ahead of the curve that this old man is, is kind of behind. Uh, so I'm excited to see where this goes for you. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that Twitch is a bit of a, a sort of supernova in that they, they kind of came up out of nowhere for a lot of people. Like, if you weren't into esports already, um, the fact that they're flexible and they're willing to look at other avenues of games for, for streaming, um, you know, I know that the role-play shows have had a, a pretty fantastic following since their inception. And, I mean, I think you're right. I think that the new media is the place for for this stuff because it's so interactive. The the difficulty in trying to popularize role-playing games by way of uh, traditional sort of one-directional media is that, yeah, we can make a Dungeons & Dragons movie. We shouldn't, and it should never have been made, but we can. Uh, you know, we can put characters on, you know, community playing Dungeons & Dragons, but D&D and, and every other role-playing game is not inherently a spectator sport. Like, I don't think that people tune in just because they want to watch us, you know, roll dice and make funny voices. I think they tune in because, like so much other content on Twitch, they know that they can do it themselves, too, right? The, the replicable experience and the ability to say, like, look at this thing these people are doing. That looks like fun. Now I'm going to do it. That's what's going to broaden how many people are playing role-playing games, right? It's not going to be seeing people play D&D on community because all that's really going to get for us is, yeah, I've heard of Dungeons & Dragons. That's that thing from that TV show. Right? This way, it's, yeah, Dungeons & Dragons, that's that game that they play, and I started playing with my friends because it looks so easy. And that's, you know, again, one of the reasons why we do the podcast that we do is we try to demystify what role-playing games are. I mean, I've been playing role-playing games since I was 12, and in my real life, I still have people that when I tell them I role-play, they don't know what that means. Yeah. And they're not trying to be, you know, mean or disrespectful, but they really just don't understand. And so we go to the podcast route because you can see I don't have a face made for TV. So we just like, you know, listen, this is what a game sounds like. And that's just one more step forward. This is what a game looks like. And clearly there's an audience for it. And I think you're exactly right, is that people watch that and go, that looks like a lot of fun. It sounds like a lot of fun. Why can't we do that? And the difference between the games they see in here and the games at their table aren't that so far apart. You know, they're 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 like you said, replicable. You can you can pretty much do that at your house if you put a little time, a little effort into it. So uh, again, very excited to see where this goes. Very happy for you on the new position. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything I didn't ask that you wanted me to? Anything that we we might have missed that you want to make sure it gets put out there? Not that I can think of. Uh, I mean, you know, we're we're all really excited about being able to showcase uh, games people are familiar with, games they may never have heard of, 
and build this community of people who are playing role-playing games online. Um, you know, I, I, I'm excited about the job both to do it, but also because I think that this is the direction that the hobby is going. You know, I think that in, in five years, we're going to see so many more games just like the ones I'm going to be running uh, with their own audience. People who are streamers, not role-playing streamers second and esports players first, but are primarily about role-playing games. I think that I just happen to have the, the luck and the, the opportunity to be kind of among the first and uh, and uh, this is this is the direction that we're headed. So I mean, I think that if anyone's listening to this and they've, they've you know they've they've never played a role playing game before, they have, they never GM'd, or you know their friends all moved away. Don't wait for me, right? Check check Roll Twenty out, find a game, get into a one shot, and and give it a go because you know even if it even if it doesn't go exactly the way you planned it, you'll see that it's it may be different than you expected, a little easier. <laughs> yeah. So that's I mean that's what I would say is like I just really want to get people involved. Um, and you know, like I said, don't don't necessarily wait for us to start. You can you can do this on your own. You'll you'll see how when I do it. But fantastic. All right, well, Adam, I thank you so much for your time. Uh, again, I wish you the best success in the world, and we'll be keeping tabs. And if there's anything that comes out you want to want us to help promote or, or get the word out, just uh, shoot me a message, and we'll make sure that we get it out there for you as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd uh, I'd love to come back and and talk again once we got things up and running. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.